Hello and welcome to The Naked Scarf. I'm Adam. I'm Andy. And I'm Stephen. And in this very special episode, because they're all very special, we're going to be looking at Trial of a Time Lord, part 13 to 14. No, 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 it is a special episode because it's Adam's birthday! Happy Woo! birthday! Thank you, thank you. Would people out there on the internet like to know exactly how old Adam is? 31. Oh, you were supposed to make a big fuss about it. Look, let's take another fun out of it now. I can't wind you up and call I'm, you old and decrepit. And... I'm, I'm crying on the inside. Oh, oh um, good. Okay, just as long as some parts of you is crying and it's not your penis. <laughs> how many uh, seconds are we into the episode? How uh, many? 40. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so for my birthday, I watched uh, a Robert Holmes episode followed by a Pip and Jane Baker episode <laughs> because... Just because I did, okay? Don't ask why. Because so, people we like in go... your life know how to treat you right. That's how I like to celebrate my birthday. Going uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Exactly. So, anyway, Andy, for this final part of The Trial of the Time Lord, give us your plot synopsis. Stuff happens. Almost everybody lives. It, so you're not going to mention the fact that it turns out that the, the Valiard's an evil version of the Doctor. Oh, God, but nobody wants to remember this. <laughs> Well, yes, but okay. Well, basically, it's the trial of a. I'll do it on my birthday, shall I? I'll do the goddamn plot synopsis. Yeah, the trial's continuing. They're all going. You committed genocide to get some plants, and then the and then Anthony Ailey turns up, and we all go, "Thank fuck, it's Anthony Ailey." He giggles and guffaws a bit, and go basically acts like the viewer by going, "This is rubbish. What's going on? What are you people doing?" And he reveals that. Um, well, he makes Glitz and Mel turn up, and then he reveals that uh, the Valiards are. Kind of almost evil version of the Doctor from the future, maybe in a perhaps. really, really throwaway way as well. Yeah, in the most <laughs> casually way ever. Uh, Colin Baker just goes, "What the fuck?" Um, they run into the Matrix, which is all very Victorian. There's lots of references to uh, Tale of Two Cities. Everything goes to hell and Gallifrey. We're told casually, um, it's all about getting some Matrix secrets. Uh, and by the end, the Doctor goes off with Mel to continue their travels, despite the fact technically he hasn't met Mel yet. So, yes, that makes about as much sense as anything. Logic goes but, out the window. Of course, behind the scenes, um, Robert Holmes very sadly died before completing the second episode. Eric Sayward had a major falling out with JNT and left, and Pippin Jane Baker had to write the last episode over a weekend without knowing what the original ending was going to be. Well, S- forbidden from knowing what the original yeah, ending was going even, to be. Legally, I believe. Anyway, <laughs> who wants to kick us off? Um, I... It- there were things to enjoy in it. I like the fact that as soon as they get into the Victorian era, they turn the lights down, which mm-hmm. which yes. always helps. I mean, it's the one thing that, as we know, that, that uh, the BBC does well is, is period drama. And so the instant they step out of that ludicrous leisure centre of the courtroom and into the weird Victorian one world of the Matrix, everything suddenly improves mm-hmm. visually and uh, in terms of the, you know, the scope of the episodes. It does feature my favourite Six Doctor moment, uh, at least my favourite Six Doctor moment on screen, which is the uh, In All My Travelling speech, where he just turns yeah. around and, and rips the Time Lords, the, the rod to the court. I used to be able to do that one uh, word by word. I don't think I can anymore, because it's been a while since I saw the scene. This. It's great. It, it's weird if you think that it, Robert Holmes, when he was writing the first part of Trial of the Time Lord, had all these kind of meta jokes to refer to... Uh, Doctor Who being off the air, and, and I've heard the occasional theories that actually the entire thing is a rant about the BBC. <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but... Possibly, maybe. It's it's an interesting sort of story that's, that's hamstrung by the behind-the-scenes problems, because it's, you know, we've had 12 episodes of build-up, mm. and 
they it, it doesn't really go anywhere. No, I mean, imagine now if they... Well, they kind of did with the Dream Lord, but if they had actually had someone go, I'm an evil future version of the Doctor, that would be... A big a, deal. A big thing. But Colin Baker doesn't seem that fast, And it's not his fault. It's because the script gives him nothing to work with for it. He's yeah. just like, oh... Okay, but even that's fudged a bit because he's not a full-on future version of the Doctor. Because I think he was going to be in Jared. He went, ha ha, no, no, no. Um, he's like twelve. He's like between the twelfth and thirteenth incarnation. So yes, it, it's maybe kind it of happens fudged. to all time lords. Maybe it's like um, puberty or something. <laughs> My puberty was never like that. Andy, do you have anything to add? Um, what did I really like about it? Oh yeah, the fact that it ended. Oh no, come on, Mister Popplewick was good. Jeffrey Hughes, who sadly passed away a few days ago. Actually. Yeah, but the, the thing is, is that you know when Colin Baker gets so desperate that he moves from acting to pronouncing, and 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 you can only hear so many versions of Colin Baker going popplewick before you really, really start to just hate the whole thing. Mm. But it's interesting that this is also the first um, episode, as far as I can remember, to. to Fully throw back to the deadly assassin and uh, and have the full sort invasion, of weirdness. Invasion of time. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I think well, invasion of time was a bit of a half-assed attempt because they had no money. It was just running around some corridors in the BBC. But um, but this one sort of embraces the weirdness of the Matrix, particularly in the Robert Holmes installment. I was going to say, what's interesting about this in context of the entire entirety of the original series from this point until series twenty-six, actually a real weirdness comes back into Doctor Who, a real kind of surrealness, because you can mm. see that same thing kind of... Ha- it bubbles up and up and down in the McCoy years as well. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's something about that, that um, the Robert Holmes episode that very much feels like a precursor of the McCoy era. You could, I mean, the, the sort of slightly eerie setting of the um, use of the period sort of props and what have you to mm-hmm. actually give the piece an atmosphere rather than... In, uh, uh, being on, in the space, space station. Well, I was going to say rather than Time of the Rani, where it was, was it Time of the Rani? No, um, Mark of the Rani, where they're on a period location, but it's all a bit fudged. This one has mm. a sort of real atmosphere to it. I, I don't want to bring up Ghostlight, but it does have a bit of that vibe to it with the Victoriana. Vaguely. The sort of off-kilter weirdness I, of it. Yeah, I guess I can see that. No. No, I think that they probably just <laughs> had a set kicking around from something else and... You know, it's it's just I I I think that Ghostlight had its own inherent weirdness um, mm. that 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 um, probably wasn't supplied so much by the location as it was by the plot and and this this story could actually have dealt with that. that. The few things that struck me is that Fantasy Factory sign on set must have cost a pretty penny. Mm. I mean, they look pretty expensive. It does look quite good as an episode, actually. Yeah. The two of them, you know, there's obviously been a bit of budget. It's not your typical end of season dot two where it's just like, quick, stick it together. Oh, do we have any props left over from the last three years? <laughs> well, they probably had the sign from somewhere else and they just, you know, managed to wire whatever was on there. It's probably a model, actually. Mm. A model with a bit of camera trickery. Yeah. I doubt it's full size. Well, maybe if somebody was just banging a carny. That's, that's possible. It's entirely possible. Um, I, you know, I like to exist in the realms of possibility. I presume that the Fantasy Factory is also the, the nightclub where the, uh, the Master's appearing from within the Matrix with his disco fabulous background. It's good to see Ainley, isn't it? I mean, he yeah. really just cheers things up. The way he just seems to be mocking the entire proceedings. <laughs> You yeah. know, if I start saying, oh yeah, the master went to the fantasy factory, it starts to sound like some like really terrible sub Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> kind of, ooh, typical reference. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm 50, tired. Well, if, it, if it's Anthony, it's Fifty Shades of Velvet Penguin at this point. 
Yes. Certainly not Colin Baker with that coat. Fifty Shades of What the Fuck would be a bit of, <laughs> Actually, Fifty Shades of What the Fuck is what I'm calling this episode, I think. The master went the fa- into the fantasy. But it's, it's, it's telling that, you know, the thing that really lifts this whole Farrago up is, is the fact that Anthony Ailey turns up in full-on panto villain mode, and it's it's refreshing. This is possibly the most panto he is, actually, because after this, it's survival. He's even, got, he's even got a chest full of jewels, like <laughs> yes. he's <in> Aladdin. Because <laughs> um, after, after this, it's survival, and you kind of... It turns it down, yeah. yeah, very much turns it down. I mean, the thing is, but having the master show up in a story where we see the evil version of the Doctor automatically renders the evil version of the Doctor pointless, or, or the master pointless. What they, the master is an evil version of the Doctor, so if you have yeah. both of them turning up, even if one is technically the future version of the Doctor, which he's not technically at the same time, it just it just feels like you're yeah. overlaying the point a little bit too much. So I think they were what, slightly overthinking it in the same way that they did with the Five Doctors, where they originally wanted the master to be the villain in the Five Doctors. Mm-hmm. And then they thought, well, that's just too obvious. We can't have that. Let's have someone else. Uh, and they've kind of done that again here. I quite like the Mars. I know we're skipping back. I quite, quite like the Mars and the Five Doctors. The way he says at the end, he's really like, I was going to help. I was <laughs> going to be really nice. And you were all just mean to me. <laughs> I quite like that. I don't know why. It doesn't make him look very good, but it always makes me laugh. I suppose, technically speaking, this is just revenge, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, the, the, the very strange thing about this this episode, or this, these, these to this story is that all of the most interesting things happen in throwaway details. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the revelation of the uh, the Valiard's identity is just so casually thrown away, and they sort of it, 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 they catch up. There's this screeching horse. They go, "Hang on a minute! Did you say this?" And then in in the second episode, the um, the master just casually says, "There's a revolution on Gallifrey." I, I want to watch that story. <laughs> they didn't have the budget that much. <laughs> I know. But then again, the revolution on Gallifrey might be quite easy as if you watch the guards who are guarding the courtroom, <laughs> when the master goes, or whoever it is, goes, you better flee. All the other time will say, the guards fucking <laughs> leg it out the door as quickly as possible. Uh. Yeah, no, it's um, very spacey and stuff. I'm sorry, my, I, I'm not entirely sure what just happened to my brain. It's almost like, you know, you make someone watch the last two episodes of Trial of a Time Lord and their brain automatically tries to eject itself. From your head. What? What? what, what are, who am I? What am I doing here? Oh, I, who knows? Maybe you're in a, a maybe you're in a fantasy world. Ooh, I no, don't know I'd like that because I could do whatever the hell I wanted to do. In fantasy. Let's world. go to the fantasy factory and uh, <laughs> you, you can meet your master. It's a megabyte modem. Dressed, megabyte modem. Thus proving yes, the phrase megabyte modem. Thus proving I do not believe Piff and Jane Breaker knew anything about computers, which is <laughs> ironic as they made Mel a computer expert. The main Mel is actually just lying about that. There's no thing about computers anyway. Maybe she just looks at anything and goes, "Oh yeah, it's a modem. Definitely a modem." But it was the eighties. You could get away with that. <laughs> yeah, sort of I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Perry and Brian Blessed. Oh yes, the revelation and their the, hallmark uh, card moment. Yeah, at the yeah, end. the, the lovely pink glowing border. As, as, as I, I, I want that to look a... at him and think, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That moment that we completely missed in parts five to eight, where Perry turns to look at Brian Bless and thinks, "This is the man I want to spend the rest Be of my fair, life." Though, she with. had had major brain surgery at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the dark story no one's ever told. How he actually rescued because we we obviously don't really know what happened there. Maybe he rescued her and she's just a drooling lobotomizer. <laughs> and, and Brian Bless is like, "I should marry you." And she's like, "Ah." Uh, 
love the, I love the revelation also that she's a warrior queen. queen yes. brilliant. <laughs> and, I think that's kind of by default. I can't really imagine Perry doing a lot of warrioring. I, I should, by the way, I should apologise, ladies and gentlemen. You might be able to hear this chair I'm on squeak constantly for the podcast. I'm very sorry about that. But yeah, it's maybe they're not ladies or gentlemen. Others. Droids. Droids. Other kin, fairies, whatever you may be. Exactly. Social justice, Adam. Social, Social justice. justice. Well, yes, Perry. Um, and the doctor's reaction is, oh, great, she's married by a blessed. Instead of being like, oh, God, I have to rescue her at once. Or at least make sure she's got decent earplugs. But he is remarkably lax in attending to his previous... He, like, he basically just forgets people as soon as they leave his company. Yeah, this is this is this is true. But about all the ones he's forgotten, he, Perry in particular is. Oh, leave with that strange man she met under stress and duration for a couple of hours at a time. It'll work out. I mean, I know there's actually been some of the spin-off fiction that's dealt with that and her basically going, "You left me there, you bastard." You know what? Actually, I Isn't just decided what? right now that I'm going to write a new Doctor Who book, which is basically going to be female companions abandoned by the Doctor, forming a support group. And that is just going to be the premise of. The Presumably, book. Dodo will be leading it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, actually, isn't, isn't that the plot of virtually every other missing adventure or new adventure where a fit performer companion turns up and does all they've had a horrible license? Well, and, and the entirety of the Sarah Jane adventures, really. Though, I mean, there is that, the closing of that episode with Joe Grant where they basically yeah. rattle off the list of what they're doing. But what they've, they all, they've all got happy endings, yeah. which is more than. Um, it would be great if they just slipped Perry into that list as well. <laughs> yes. Perry, uh, she's running a, a centre for uh, abused women, funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, in one of the spin-off novels or comics or something, didn't she end up uh, being his manager and he was a professional I wrestler? I believe that was in the adaption, uh, the, the Target novel, as yes. it's Mind Warp. Yeah. It's been a few, actually. Uh, Bad Therapy by Matt Jones yeah. from the Adventure Range also has a basically literally turn up and go to the Doctor... Why did you but leave that doesn't me really with work, because that's the sort of hardened, embittered Perry. It doesn't quite jam. I believe there's a big finish play that deals with it. Yeah. It's just come out as well, which was quite good. Hardened, maybe not. Embittered, definitely. Mm. Just putting it out but there. But anyway, we're, we're talking about the wrong things here. We're supposed to be talking about the catharsis of spurious morality. I love the way you can say that. I, I've had a couple of drinks now, being my birthday, and I can't say that for shit right now. I like, find it gets, easier, it gets easier to say the more you drink, which is probably how it got included in the script <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> he suggested Pippin and make up a drinking problem. I think, I think that episode was fuelled by whiskey and hope. <laughs> it's weird, though. I mean, they wrote... I mean, fair play to them. They had to write this over a weekend, and it's probably the best thing they wrote. For yes, it is undoubtedly. I mean, a, a part of that is the fact that it exists mostly in the Matrix and is therefore unfettered by logic and reason. Which so playing to their strengths. Yes, but um, I mean, there there are some quite clever little conceits in there, like the the bit where the um, the Doctor goes back into the trial courtroom, and then it turns out it's in the Matrix, and then it all gets a bit confused. Yeah. You know, it, it occurs to me, they miss, they miss a trick in Dragonfire, actually. When Mel and Glitz goes off, they should have had them. They should have had a, an image of Glitz helping Mel out of that coffin with a pink filter around it. Yes. Establish the fact that they'd always had this great passion since they first met in that courtroom. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. But yeah, the, the, the Doctor's plan makes absolutely no sense. I mean, there's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's all that makes no sense, this, the Doctor's plan. <laughs> well, there's this point where he um, he's being carted off to his death and he makes a sort of big noble speech and then Mel comes out and ruins it all. Um, and then the next thing she suggests is, why don't we use you as bait? And that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, well... It's one of those episodes where, uh, you know, in some stories, um, a, a fun game is to try and look at things from the villain's point of view mm. and see exactly what they're trying to achieve. 
And in this, I still don't know what, what the value I was trying to achieve. It's like get the Doctor's remaining lives, but it's never explained why. Get the Doctor's remaining lives by blowing him up. And wouldn't descent. killing him basically destroy the value? It's, it's, this is the point. Yeah. It's never really examined. The, uh, skipping around a bit, um, there is a one moment where you pointed out uh, the Master does a Sylvester McCoy-style metaphor. He's like, I've thrown a, a stone uh, into the pond and the ripple's going out and I'll kill two birds with it. And it's like, that's a hell of a shot with your stone there. <laughs> it bounces the water and hit two birds. It's, uh, maybe the ducks. Maybe you meant to kill two ducks at the same time. Don't it does bastard. sound like the sort of thing that the master probably does. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's the ultimate episode where, where, where the master's entire place to throw stones at ducks? No, but I don't know. I've just got like... this image in my head now of the master being a little lonely boy and, like, you know, skimming stones on the lake, and every time he tries to skin one, five ducks blow up, and he's just like, no, like, this little sad face on. I was actually oh. thinking more like Between Adventures when the master hasn't got a really big evil plan on the go. I just uh, picture him sitting up. on a park bench with some bread and then he throws a stone as a duck every so often there was a there was a, a missing adventure with the, the Delgado master I think it was Paul Mars wrote it Verdigree where one of the there's this great scene where the master is between evil plans and he's at the chippy and he's picking <laughs> up a bag of chips and it's just brilliant <laughs> so he's not like squatting or anything he's just no brilliant. it's just an incredibly mundane moment I would actually I would actually like to spin a series dealing with the master between evil plans just like just having a walk. You know. <laughs> I keep stumbling the doctor. Goes, what are you planning? Oh, nothing. Just it's just a slightly mournful image. You can see him sort of sitting on the park bench there, chucking stones at ducks because he hasn't come up with a better evil plan yet. <laughs> Magna Carta, no, <laughs> done that. <laughs> Industrial Revolution, no, that didn't work out. What if I dress up as Robin Hood? No. <laughs> <laughs> just go through his disguise list, what he hasn't done yet. It'll be a bit like that Brian Butterfield thing where he's that private detective and it's like all these different disguises with different hats. <laughs> Australian? I haven't dressed as an Australian yet. I don't do it, so. Oh. <laughs> Um, it's also worth pointing out this the end of this actually it's interesting because the original uh, Eric Sayward script which didn't get made obviously originally the ending was the Valiard and Doctor tumbling through the quote unquote time vote whatever that be or MacGuffin that was only introduced in part 14 if you uh, yeah. would have uh, and in some way if that had happened and then the backstage things of Colin Baker still getting fired had happened that would have at least given the reason of him to regenerate and a slightly better ending. Instead, what we get is a slightly, no, slightly bizarre, sorry, frankly, utterly bizarre thing of the Doctor leaving with Mel, seemingly bantering with her like they've been travelling for a while, despite the fact they'd never met. Yeah, well, at what point in her time stream does this Mel come from? Because presumably this is fa- fairly far along in, the, in her adventures mm-hmm. with him. And she, but she, but she doesn't go, you're a short Scottish man, aren't you? So, yeah. It's very she doesn't recognise Glitz, but... Well, she doesn't recognise the master either, which... Wasn't there something like she was in her original briefing document or something? Yeah, or was that just that's the novel just she was supposed to have that, met him after? That's the original briefing yeah. document, that's the thing, it's not... You can't really take that to yeah. heart, but I guess... But on the, it does unfortunately give Colin Baker the final on-screen lines of carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. And I know in various novels they've um, tried to... Get around that, but I like to think the, the next thing that happened was he was attacked by the Rani. Well, there, there was a hilarious novel where um, I think it was a Gary Russell one where they basically give him the big regeneration moment from the end yeah. of time. They literally, you know, get, he gets a full blown um, arms flung back David Tennant regeneration, <laughs> noble <laughs> sacrifice thing. 
And then falls off his bicycle, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) Was he he bicycling while he was generating? I've actually heard that what happens is he got told that if you stand in front of a mirror and say carrot juice three times, then you get Mel's introduction. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because I think they said, oh, we'd have given her an introduction in the next season, but obviously then that couldn't happen. Actually, Bonnie Langford's pretty good in this episode. The bit when she's being... Oh, I don't know. She's just always so shrill and horrible, like, you know, when she's in front of the court and you can hear her voice, like, trying not to go like... (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah. Well, it is quite good that she's the one who wakes the doctor from the trance with the power of her voice. <laughs> it's presumably only she could do. She but was that, that far away from doing a dance routine. But there's that nice, quite nicely directed scene where she's sort of lurking in the shadows and everything. It's immediately bleeding obvious that she's playing a villain at that point, but um, it's oh, quite good. Yeah, no, there's a, a quite a good unmasking bit um, oh, at yeah. the end, um, but, which is promptly ruined by them also unmasking <laughs> his clothes and that being really, really rubbish. It like, would be, it would be great if he wasn't picture. wearing the robes under it if yeah, he yeah. his clothes yeah. off and he was going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and he was seeing naked Michael Jason. Well, it's just the cold. fact that, like, you know, he managed to get that floor-length, full-flowing, heavy robe under all of that, like, you know, Victorian gentleman, like... Well, it's the Matrix. Weird shit happens. You can you can get away with anything in the Matrix. Wouldn't it be great if Keanu Reeves had turned up. Maybe he was maybe Whoa. he was in the barrel. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that you know uh, Agent Smith and uh, Neo are standing there, and he's going, Mister Anderson, this doesn't look like I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, I'd love to splice together that scene of the. Uh, of, of, of Morpheus explaining the Matrix with clips from Driver the Time, <laughs> the pinnacle of your civilization. You know what? Actually, it would have to go on my um, time travel bucket list that if I could go back to when uh, Trial was originally broadcast, I would just uh, uh, replace it with segments of the Matrix <laughs> just to see how much you would blow people's I, I don't minds. think anyone would notice at this point. People would have just like, what? I don't know what. Yeah, you just like recolour Keanu Reeves' coat. So oh, what about the the, the Valiant's amazing eighties um, music video, Jiggery Pokery, <laughs> where he's just vanishing and reappearing for no reason other than to on fuck a with beach. people. Always on a fucking yeah. beach or a plane or you know some wide open space where no kids going to come along. And, and, we're in and then, a, then at one point, uh, Glitz and the Doctor run away from what looks suspicious like sea mist. They're like, no, it's deadly gases. I think that's sea mist. <laughs> but there's there's. The logic makes no sense. I'm actually sort of stammering here with fury because the the logic of that story makes no sense because at various times people are flinging around exploding pens and they're running away, but they already know that everything in that reality is an illusion, so they can't they can't wait, be killed by it. Wait, wait. Let me let me recount this. You are enraged at a logic deviation in a Doctor Who episode, and you're also a Doctor Who fan. Well, yes, but how yeah. does this work? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, are you on the self-hating fans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. I so I don't think we've got much more to say about this episode. I mean, that we have. I think we've spoken for longer than the story. Actually, <laughs> no, no, not quite longer than the first episode. Uh, part actually saying saying that part thirteen cliffhanger is pretty good. Where he's getting dragged down through the yeah, sand. Yeah, except for the fact that his feet are sticking out and that the big rescue like boat is his it? feet wiggling in the air. Well, I suppose that's sort of Doctor Who undercutting the yeah terribly yeah. serious moment, which is quite good. But let's talk about the Sixth Doctor era in general, because this is the it's end short. of it. It's short. It's not sweet. It's not particularly sweet. There are some good stories there. And it's frustrating because there's there's potential there with Colin Baker. I mean, 
he, he could have been a great doctor. Well, he is a great doctor in the Big Finish stories, but he's introduced to this shouty maniac, and the original plan to sort of gradually tone him down never happened. Because, I, I mean, there's, there's many reasons for that. I think one of the troubles with saying we'll tone him down is you've got to start doing it a little quicker. Because the idea was he turned down after years, like over the... And you need to... It's like Christopher Eccleston's Doctor. They kind of start turning him down four or five episodes in. They start turning him down in the like, second episode. Yeah, yeah, much. yeah. But, but, but it's more of particularly after things like Doctor Dances and stuff, yeah. you know, and the everyone lives. There's a definite... definite and also thing. that costume, which yeah. just... Well, I think the thing that always fundamentally bothered me about Colin Baker's Doctor is the fact that he has access to a time machine and yet he somehow never got round to discovering frizzies. <laughs> I don't know what frizzies are. <laughs> oh, bless, look at your little face. Could you explain for the sake of the, the uh, listeners? Frizzies is, is, a, is a hair product that, that people can use. It's a hair serum, actually. So if you do have, like, you know, uh, lovely bonny curls like our Colin, um, then you, you, you can put this goop and our oh, bonny. You can put this goop in your hands and then basically, like, slather it over your hair and then it, it makes it look all sleek and smooth and shiny, unlike. You Are know, you going to suggest frizzy. Tom Baker did that? No, no, you wouldn't try to tame Tom Baker. I'm trying to picture Colin Baker with a sort of emo fringe. <laughs> 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 he looks like my uncle. <laughs> oh, sorry, Luke. <laughs> um, I'm just now picturing him with Matt Smith style hair. But the thing is about, about uh, the Six Doctors, a lot of the character traits that people criticise him for are actually quite blatant in other Doctors. Yeah. And we think we've done it ourselves here, where, you know, yes, he's arrogant and blustering. Pertwee's Doctor is arrogant and blustering. And that's not a bad thing of done right, because Pertwee's... I mean, John Pertwee famously always said, I want the Doctor to have a moment of quote-unquote charm in every story, because he, I think he knew that if he was just arrogant and blustering, no one would mm. like him. If he occasionally could be charming, it makes a difference. And I Pertwee's think, Doctor also never threw a corpse at anyone. No, that's true. There's a distinct lack of corpse throwing in the third Doctor era. He did want you to very casually walking over on. Yes. <laughs> quite casually. It's more violent than anything Colin Baker's <laughs> Doctor ever did. And, well, actually, that's another point I was going to make. People talk about the violence, and it's interesting, because what he does is no worse than what, say, Tom Baker does in the Hinchcliffe years. Mm. But I think it's occasionally the fact that he quibs, and it's quite cold, and it's always a little bit... Maybe mm. makes people a little bit uncomfortable. I'm just thinking of like the acid bath in Vengeance of Varus. Well, that's the the one that the everyone one leads to. Yeah. It's a shame because I haven't actually seen Vengeance of, uh, Vengeance of Varus for about 15 years. But uh, special editions coming out soon, and I'm quite looking forward to seeing it. As I remember, it actually been quite mm. good. One of the better stories of that era, <laughs> though possibly with its own flaws. But yeah, but this is it. But it's almost like with all these negative as- uh, attributes that they could have mm. still gotten away with it, but they just. Actually, to be honest, I think the biggest problem with the era is that by that time, they'd sort of settled into a groove for what Doctor Who stories were, and they were just doing them by rote. Yeah, oh, very And evil villains were turning up and being evil just for the sake of being evil. And every so often you got uh, an interesting story like Vengeance of Virus or um, the Dalek one. Revelation? Yeah, Revelation, where it's... Slightly, there's there's also a very sort of slightly weird and off-kilter feel throughout his era that sort of prefigures the McCoy era, but... Um, they refined it in that yeah. era. I think, I mean, I, I slightly more than this podcast before and I will continue to do so, but I think Eric Sayward was rapidly losing interest in the pro. He wanted to write Blake Seven or something like Blake Seven and he didn't, either didn't understand the character of the Doctor or just didn't care. I don't think, I don't think, yeah, 
it's a case of lack of understanding. I think it's a, an act of dislike of the character. Yeah. I think. I mean, he's always been I mean, for, for, about for a character who, for for a person who always writes military men running in and saving the day. That's basically the antithesis of Doctor mm. Who. And I mean, he has said that he didn't like Colin Baker's performance. It's it's unfair to slate Colin Baker for his performance when he's given quite weak material in some of the scripts yeah, oh, as well. Definitely, definitely. There's not I a mean, lot anyone could do with that material. When his idea of a quip is just repeating something louder and louder and louder. There were unfortunately a lot of that valley yard jokes back in these last yeah. episodes, the rail yards. I've been it's the a stack bit, yard. Is it? Fuck you, Colin Baker. Fuck it or whoever wrote that. Colin yeah. Baker didn't write that. Yeah, he was a victim. Blaming the victim. You're victim blaming, Andy. Victim blaming. Oh, God, you always become the thing you hate the most. <laughs> it was always going to be Doctor Who that got me there, wasn't it? <laughs> Watch me that, that's like blaming uh, David Tennant for fear her. Well, Which didn't happen, thus it. it's not canon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, how no, good. We should be doing that, it's the Olympics. No, no, no. <laughs> we will one day. Too much Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, there's the good Olympics. And also, it's always, gonna, very bad it's always going to annoy me that they've got all the logos and things wrong in that episode. Obviously, they didn't know what they were going to look like. But I'm hoping that in the special edition, like 20 years down the line, they, they comp in the, the, the actual torch. I'm hoping in the special edition they either digitally replace the child actor or just cut it out of the box set altogether. Ooh, harsh. Um, oh, anyway, let's, let us not speak of fear. No, you really shouldn't. The episode that we shall just... not name... I was just about to suggest that you replace the child actually with Jack in the Box or something, and then for some reason, I, no, actually, I'm not going to even finish that sentence. Finish the sentence. Finish the sentence, or take away the Viking hat you seem to be wearing. Don't take away my Viking hat. You can't just tail off in the middle of a sentence on a podcast. That's like that's like one of those ambiguous Facebook See, statements. Do I, I, I do all the time. But feeling I, low. I, I do all the time, but I edit it so I can just edit it home. <laughs> I think that's everything, isn't it? I think that is. I think we've covered. I think we've, yeah, we've uh, we've reached the end of the marathon. We have. We don't get a medal for a- it. Any thoughts on um, any last thoughts on Trial of the Time Lord as a whole? Failure, success, interesting failure, terrible success. Um, thank fuck that I never have to watch that again. If you're a Doctor Who fan. You have to. <laughs> No, it's the rules. No. no, 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 no. Sorry, make my own rules, especially in relation to Doctor Who. Booyah. But I, th- I think it's 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 unfair to judge the last two episodes harshly because they were stylistically they're very interesting. There's uh, there's a lot of lovely shots in there. There's a lot of lovely set design, direction, what have you. Um, if the writing kind of goes off the rails a bit, it's largely because they were legally forbidden from reading the existing final episode scripts that were supposed to wrap up the plot in a neat well, supposed to wrap up the plot in a neat little bow. And they were given the job of trying to sort of pay off all of these hints that have been laid in earlier episodes, where the writers of which had essentially been passing the buck onto whichever Mug had to write the last two episodes. Steve, can I take this opportunity to say that I really dislike having you on this podcast because you come along with all <laughs> oh God, your... it's all falling apart. <laughs> you come along with all your like intelligence and all your reasoning and all your very considered and wonderful things to say. And I know for a fact that I said the word penis twice in this podcast. <laughs> and the thing is, before you came Three along, times now, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, I have also along, said the word before penis. Before you came twice. along, the only person I had penis. here to make me look stupid was Adam. And let's face it. <laughs> But now... Let's face what? <laughs> Let's face what? But now we have you. Let's face what? 
Are you going to soak me on my birthday? <laughs> no, I'm going to touch your knee in a reassuring fashion. Here, have... have... <laughs> so, anyway, contact... No, actually, let me say what I think. Um, damn you, Adams. Uh, yeah, it, the, 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 it's always the most entertaining episodes. I think the whole season as a whole is a failure. Do, do we think it's the worst season in Doctor Who history? He says um, his voice being off five octaves. So you're you doing a Bane impression there. <laughs> well, we watched Trial of a Time Lord, then I will allow you to die. I think that they probably did, like, you know, they took a risk on on an idea and it didn't work out. And, and quite frankly, if you're going to take the risk in the first person, you have to accept that it might not work out, and I don't think it did. There we go. I think that there's, there's something very brave and or stupid about looking at the programme and saying the programme itself is on trial, you know, uh, critics are lining up to throw big bats at it and what have you. Let's do an episode in which we, or let's do an entire season in which we put the show on trial Mm -hmm. is quite a brave thing to do, and I don't think it entirely paid off. But there were some moments in there that were good. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't watch an entire series of Doctor Who for moments, you know, and this, this is the problem. That's, yeah. I feel like a good come overall poet we here. <laughs> Sometimes small, beautiful... No, that was so Davison. No, yes. Uh, sure. Sometimes small, of... beautiful things are what life is all about. <laughs> is that what he used to say to his wife? <laughs> yeah, but like, when, when, when you say that kind of thing, I think of, like, I've got the music from Doomsday on my iPod, and whenever it comes on, like, you know, I sort of have a bit of a secret cry. It can be quite embarrassing sometimes, especially if you're in the middle of Asda and, like, all of a sudden, Try... lone, solitary tears. It's, and it's those kind of little moments, you know? I mean, obviously, a very good series, but, but you know, th- th- that, that was a, a moment, whereas there was no particular so... one moment that I would look back on the whole of that I can fix that for you. My... Pink filter. Play, Brian play, Blessed. yeah, play that music over Brian Blessed and and, uh, and Barry. Oh gosh, no, that wasn't the solution I was looking for. You can't sully the end of Doomsday for me. Just, just, just for your cheap Colin Baker thrills. <laughs> all my, all my Colin Baker thrills are cheap. Um, anyway, yes, right. Well, he's cheap and you're dirty, so together. Um. <laughs> Yes, I was going to say. I think. Yeah, I think ultimately, as a season, it is a failure. I think it's a failure with some really interesting ideas in it. I, I don't know if it's the worst season of Doctor Who. I don't know what the worst season of Doctor Who is. I don't know if there is one. I mean, not that I can. I, I subscribe to the idea that the that a bad Doctor Who is better than most good other good science fiction because I've always thought that was a frankly slightly ridiculous view to have. It was interesting. I'm glad we looked at it. I'm glad we've done it. I'm glad we're going to be doing uh, Androids of Tara next week. Um, admittedly, quite sadly, uh, in tribute to Mary Tam, who very recently passed away. But let's not Perhaps drag Perhaps soon we'll be able to do a Doctor Who podcast that isn't tinged by sadness. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. Any podcast that Adam's involved in is always tinged with sadness. I'm a little bit wary of watching any of my favourite stories now in case anyone from them dies. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, a, it's getting a bit that way. He's just stuck... Uh, Yes, anyway. Um, contact details. Facebook. Facebook, if you look up Naked Scarf, the Naked Scarf group should appear. Tumblr. On twi- Twitter. <laughs> Tumblr. This is, this is my bit. Nakedscarf.tumblr.com. Yeah, no, no, I meant it's my bit, as in, like, you sit there failing to remember things, and then I sort of remind you. Okay, Twitter, at Naked Scarf. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gmail, nakedscarf at gmail.com. And I believe that's it, isn't it? Unless we've started a Pinterest page as well. No, I, 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 no. 
Um, I might start a MySpace page, though. That's all the kids are into, right? And on that relevant uh, hip note, good night, folks. Or good morning, or good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are. Have a pleasant commute. Goodbye.